Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who oddly enough has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive in to all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of What The Bump. Today we have Ashley Ryder coming on the podcast to tell us about her birth story, her actual unmedicated birth story. So Ashley, thank you for being willing to come on the podcast and share your story. Of course. Thanks for having me. So starting off, tell me how you met your husband. Um, long, Very long story short. Um, I'll paraphrase. We actually went to the same school for um, grade school to high school, but he was three years older than me. So I didn't know him necessarily. I knew of him. Um, and then about, let's see, we've only been married. We just celebrated a year of marriage. So we, and then we were together for about a year before that. So prior to that though, we had gone, I think it was five years without seeing each other connecting outside of high school and stuff like that. And then I walked into our church one day and this very tall handsome man is standing in the lobby and I'm like oh hey so I was starting a young adult group at the time and so I had some invite cards and I went up to him and I was like just in case you're free on Sundays um you're more than welcome to come he didn't end up coming because he worked second shift on Sundays but we did start uh reconnecting texting and uh snapchatting and all that stuff so he's old school. He doesn't really have social media. He does have a Facebook, but so I, uh, DM'd him on Facebook to make sure he knew I was interested. <laughs> we were friends for five months before he asked me out, I guess, technically to be his girlfriend, um, or we made it official. And then we were only engaged for four months before we got married. That's awesome. Yeah. Me and my husband were only engaged for, I think about three months. So I always tell people, you know, when you know, you know, and for us, exactly. Like, I don't want to say the faster, the better, but kind of the faster, the better. So yes. And I feel like the less time you have to plan, the less money you spend. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. So was this your first pregnancy? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you guys, you said you were married for about a year when you guys, or wait, you've been married. We, for a year? we just celebrated a year anniversary, uh, December 13th. So I found out I was a month pregnant at our two month little mark. So pretty much a month into our marriage, we uh, conceived. (laughs) That's awesome. So tell me about finding out you were pregnant. Okay. So this is a little funny. We, um, I guess you could say like, we weren't trying, but we weren't not trying. So we were kind of just going with the flow. Um, We both knew we wanted kids. And I also didn't know how hard it was going to be for us to have kids. So I didn't want to like, I guess, push that back any further if it was going to take, you know, some time and stuff. Well, indeed it didn't. Um, For us, we, two months in, we just were celebrating Valentine's Day and I could tell uh, my body was feeling a little bit different. I, my boobs hurt. (laughs) And that was like kind of the first sign. I didn't really know, like take a test or anything like that until the following week. um, Because at that point I was a week late and I was like, I've, very regular, never had any issues with my period or anything like that. So I was like, well, I will order a pregnancy test on Amazon because I, for some reason, I am like this with going to the store to buy anything. That's just like weird when people look at you in the checkout line. So (laughs) I ordered a pregnancy test on Amazon 
and it showed up two days later and I took it. So my husband obviously knew at that point um, that I was late. So I, it wasn't like I was hiding it from him to like reveal to him. So we, I took the test and I turned it over and I brought it into the living room and we sat there while it like loaded. Um, it was one of like the digital ones. And then I made him turn it over after we thought it had been enough time. And we had like prayed beforehand because I didn't like, we had just started our marriage. So, you know, I was kind of like, it was a bittersweet feeling. Like obviously he flipped it over and it was pregnant and we both bawled our eyes out and we were so excited, but it was just like already. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that was really fun though, to find out together. And then, um, from there it was, it feels like now, I don't know if it's because I spent the first so many months of our marriage pregnant, but it feels like we've been married like so much longer. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's definitely, I can relate to when you said you were like a week late and the first thing was your boobs hurting. That's exactly. (laughs) And I was like, my boobs just hurt. (laughs) And, and I totally also know what you mean, you know, being married for that short time, it being, when you say like, it was almost bittersweet, you know, because it's like, part of you is like, well, let's be married for a little bit. Let's figure out, you know, what it's like to be married, the dynamic of being married. That's already, especially Mm -hmm. when you get married a little bit quicker, which I'm sure had to do with, you know, a lot with your guys' faith. Um, But sometimes you're like, oh, like, let's, let's figure out that dynamic first for a little bit and right. have a baby because it's just so much change. And, but then again, like also finding out, even though you were only married for, you know, a couple months that had to have been just like also amazing. Like, yeah, it, it's also just trusting, you know, that whatever is thrown your guys's way is what is meant to be, you know? Yeah. We had that thought process. Um, yeah. Along pretty much every step. <laughs> yeah. Right. So throughout your pregnancy, how, how was your pregnancy? Like, did you have any issues, any sickness, any like things that were great? My pregnancy in a nutshell, I would, to like sum it up, I would say it was very like not rough, I guess. However, being quarantined, like being in COVID during this time, it was probably a lot different than experiencing it like without that. But of course this is our first baby. So my doctor pretty much like told us it was the right, right when it was first starting to come about and they didn't really have any evidence on pregnancy and how it was affecting pregnant women and stuff like that as far as the virus goes. So we, I spent like the first two to four months being very careful, like not doing anything outside of the house. We would go on walks and stuff like that, but um, it just kind of was weird for the first few months of the pregnancy. And of course you're so excited and you want to tell everyone and you want people to like see your belly and see you, you know, go through these different stages and we couldn't really have that excitement. So it was just different. And then towards the end, I didn't really have like morning sickness, I guess. Um, I had really bad heartburn, um, which led me to believe that she's going to have a lot of hair, but she doesn't. <laughs> Other than heartburn, my pregnancy was very, what's, what's the word? Um, like uneventful almost. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, except right towards the end, I started to feel like super huge. Like I was, so I, at 37 weeks, I knew kind of anything could go, um, anything could happen at that point. So at 37 weeks, I own my own, um, small business, um, doing marketing work for other local businesses. And so I had worked ahead until the end of December and I was ready at 37 weeks. I was like, okay, this baby can come and I'm prepared work-wise. 
Well, 38 weeks came, no baby. Um, 39 weeks came, no baby. 40 weeks came, no baby. So um, it was 40 weeks and th- uh, one day when I had my checkup um, to kind of have a conversation as far as how I'm feeling and induction and stuff like that. So um, when I went in for that appointment, um, they were like, my blood pressure was pretty high. And I had gone in for some extra blood work at 39 weeks, just because I was starting to swell a lot in my face. And I know that could be a sign of like preeclampsia. So just so for some extra precaution, I went in for that and all that came back fine. So they weren't really worried. Um, But then at that 40 week appointment, they, my blood pressure had gone up. What they did then, well, (laughs) I sat in the monitor chair for about 20 minutes and then Um, sat in the follow-up room for another about 20 minutes until the doctor came in and she was like, well, do you want to have this baby tonight or tomorrow? And I was like, what? (laughs) And I, at that point, I didn't know about my blood pressure. So she was like, let's get the ball rolling. Um, At this point, if it's already gone up this much since last week, like it can be, I guess, harmful or the best way to fix that problem was to get the baby out. That kind of reassured me that that was going to be okay then. But at 40 weeks and so that next day at 6 p.m. we went in for a scheduled induction um, with, is it called like Cervidil? Yeah, Cervidil. Uh, It looks like a little tampon string kind of thing. Yeah, For 12 hours, yep. So I went in for that and sat with that for the 12 hours, which I was like one centimeter dilated since week 36. So I was really hoping every time I went to a checkup appointment, I was like, let's get this ball rolling. Why is it still one? So when I went in for that induction and got the Cervidil, I was still only at a one and there was like no cervical change or anything like that. So when they took that out that next morning, I was at a three. So I had made some good progression. I had told the doctor and nurse like going into this that let me kind of back up a little bit and tell you why I did have an unmedicated birth. Going into my third trimester, I decided to kind of do some research because it was not that I ever had the intention of having an unmedicated birth, but it was because I was more scared of getting an epidural with the needle than I was like giving birth. So I don't know why um, that scared me more than pushing a child out of an area that (laughs) is very small, but it did. So I started doing some research and my body has always kind of not reacted well to pain meds in general. Um, it's kind of hard. I don't usually take them. That was kind of the, the mindset behind what led to having an unmedicated birth. But um, so I found this girl who was very similar to you, had um, interviewed women and their birth stories. And her name was Bridget Tyler or Bridget Taylor. And I started like listening to birth stories and hearing how you know, other moms did it and what their stories were like. And I started hearing that more and more moms were not getting epidurals and hearing those stories. And I was like, huh, I really think that that's like something that I don't want to have. So I kind of tuned into those stories more and kind of got the confidence that my body was made to do this process and just kind of affirmed that uh, mindset for me. So Fast forward then, the Cervidil's out and they're like, okay, let's start your Pitocin. I was kind of, actually not kind of, I was very scared to get uh, Pitocin. I had not heard good stories, but my doctor 
and the nurses at our hospital were phenomenal. She talked me through like every step and every, like every time she'd up it, she would tell me kind of what to expect. And just kind of knowing that beforehand helped the whole situation. So they started me on Pitocin and this is kind of where it gets a little rocky. <laughs> the doctor came in to check me. She was going to see how far dilated I was to see if she should break my water. And I was at about a four. They took the Cervidil out. It was like 7 a.m. And I ate breakfast, uh, what I could eat at least. And then um, kind of just waited to see if anything happened naturally. Um, then they started the Pitocin at like maybe 9 a.m. So at 11, I was one more centimeter dilated with just that little bit of Pitocin. And so she was like, well, if you're okay with it, let's break your water. So I said, okay, let's do it. Might as well. She had sat so low the entire pregnancy that I thought it was a boy because I, we didn't find out the gender, um, little side note, but so we didn't know if we we're having a girl or boy, which made the anticipation even more great. I think her head was so low though, that the doctor nicked or what she thought broke my water, but she kept telling the nurse, which was what I thought was weird. She was like, I promise I broke it. I promise I broke it. And like, but nothing happened. So I, obviously this is my first pregnancy. I don't know what that feels like. And so she kept telling the nurse, I swear I got it. Well, because she told me since she was so low, sometimes it will leak then instead of just gush out. Well, I got up out of bed um, as soon as I could because she kind of wanted me to make sure it had broken. Well, the doctor then told me she had some scheduled C-sections. So she was like, not going to come back to check me until she was done with those. And the nurse was going to check me throughout. Well, I got out of bed, I went to the bathroom and I did notice like there was something other than like pee. So I kind of thought, oh, that must be my water breaking. But turns out that was actually just cervical change. And I had not like experienced that either since I didn't go into labor naturally. I thought that could be it, but I didn't know. Kind of labored like that, thinking my water had broke, but not sure for five hours. So from 11 a.m. until the doctor came back at four, the nurse had checked me a couple of times in between. I was at like a five or six. So I was dilating, but I was, it was hurting a lot because <laughs> my water hadn't broken yet. And which come to find out after she actually broke it, it hurt way worse. <laughs> so when the doctor came back at four, she made me lay down. And because at this point I was laboring on my feet and walking the hallways, the nurses got to know me very well. I was doing my laps like for 40 minutes out of the hour and um, just because laying down without like I'm guessing med meds was like the worst position to be in for me so when I laid down to check me it was very uncomfortable but uh, she came back and she's like oh I did not break your water and I was like you've got to be kidding me and because I'm breathing pretty strong through contractions. Like I have to really focus at that point. I had also did some research on how to breathe during pregnancy without an epidural. So doing my breaths and J breaths or whatever you call them. So I'm like, well, let's break. I mean, we have to break it now. She's like, yeah, cause you're having this baby today. So she broke my water and I, now I know what breaking your water feels like. Won't miss that. <laughs> Um, it gushed out and I was like, okay. So then she was like up the Pitocin and let's get, let's start getting ready for the baby. So I got back up and I, from that point when she broke my water to when it was time to push was only, let's see, four, 
about four hours. So from four o'clock until eight o'clock, I went from a, about a five to a 10. And that part was hard. I, the nurses changed shifts at five. And so at the peak of the pain, I switched nurses and the nurse, you know, from before had known everything and like she knew what was going on. And then this new nurse came in and she was amazing too. But like at that point, I can't talk to anybody because I'm trying to focus so hard through contractions, um, just breathe through them. And I labored with my eyes closed pretty much from the time that um, she broke my water until I, it was time to push. My eyes were closed pretty much that whole time. My poor husband, um, thank goodness for him. He just held my hand the whole time. And I asked him, I said, sweetie, I love you, but please just don't say anything. And he did talk to the nurses because it was too hard for me too. So that helped a lot. But he just held my hand and reassured me that, you know, my body was made to do this and I was doing a great job. And um, he was so proud of me, which helped tremendously. I'm a big words of affirmation girl. So that definitely helped get through that. And then come eight o'clock, I could tell that she was low and I could tell I kept saying, I need to go to the bathroom. I need to go to the bathroom. And the nurse was like, do you have to pee? And I'm like, no, <laughs> she was like, you're not allowed to go to the bathroom because baby's head is probably ready to come out. And I was like, she's like, we're not having this baby on the toilet. So I'm like, okay. Um, so at this point I'm leaned over the back of the bed, like on my knees to help with some of that pain. And she checked me, she had me flip over real fast and checked me and she was like, okay, you're at a 9.5. I'm going to go get to the doctor. Doctor came in and said, I said, I need to go to the bathroom. She's like, no, that's the baby's head that you're feeling. And I was like, okay. So everyone says that everyone says, I really have, I have to poop. And I'm always like, you do not have to poop. I promise like it's the baby comes through that same area and the head is so big. It compresses that area, mm -hmm. your rectum. So I've, I would <laughs> literally, and I always tell people, cause every birth story, I, they say this. And I always say, I would say about 90, actually probably even hundred percent of women say, I really have to poop, but they don't. <laughs> and the best way I describe it, like you said, when they broke your water, it got really intense is I basically always say, if you think about it before your water's broken, contractions still hurt, but the bag of water on your cervix with each contraction is almost like a water balloon pressing on your cervix as you contract. And then once that water balloon is popped, it's like, it's a hard baby's head now on your cervix and you can track. So now it's like a rock. So that's yeah, kind of how way more it. intensified. Yeah. It's like a water balloon versus a rock. It's more intense and it hurts way more with the rock, but it's way more effective also. So it's yeah. kind of like, you got to pick your poison. Do you want to be in labor longer and a little bit less pain? Or would you rather just face it and get through it? Yeah. That was like my doctor's mindset too, because when she said up the Pitocin, I was like, I can't handle that. And she was like, do you want to have this baby sooner or do you want to endure this longer? And I was like, well, sooner, obviously. Yeah. And so she's like, she kind of encouraged me that that was the best route to go. And so we did, but exactly how you said, like, I could tell at that point, um, which is why I was so glad I did not have an epidural at that point. Cause I could feel like my body kind of pushing her down and preparing the way, I guess, which was really cool to experience, um, aside from the pain, <laughs> but yeah. So at eight o'clock is when I, they told me get back in bed, roll over. And the doctor came in, there was the little bassinet thing they had rolled in and there was now like five nurses in the room instead of just one. And, uh, I was finally able to like open my eyes at this point. So it was like, 
game time. I like thrive in those moments. So I was like, yes, let's do it. And like I told you before, like from 37 weeks on, I was like ready. I was, so this was like the moment that I felt like I have been waiting for. And I'm so excited. It was your time and to shine. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly how I felt. And my husband, they were like, you want a leg? He was like, no, I'm going to hold her hand and I'm just going to rub her forehead, which was actually very, very nice. And I'm kind of glad he did that just because <laughs> um, I needed that support. I made it that another nurse hold my hand too, because I like, I don't know, that helped me, I guess. They were like telling me, you know, I started pushing, but at that point, I didn't really know how to push. So like the nurses helped me to know what was a good purse, what was a good push versus like, you know, not so effective. So that was helpful too. I pushed for only um, 20 minutes, 21 minutes until I had her. So she was born at 821. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and that was the like funnest part for me because I, and my husband, um, I had told the doctor while I was pushing, um, I was like, make sure you just tell us right away, like girl or boy. And I just wanted to know. And she was like, oh no, I'm going to let dad tell you guys. So when I had her doctor, like she did get stuck. So it was like a very split second of like us getting to see her before the uh, emergency pediatrician took her to like, look her over. Doctor held her up. And dad was like, oh my gosh, it's a girl. And we had both that voice. Like we were shocked, but immediately I started bawling. He like, I think it took him a minute to process, but he was crying too. Like when we could both see her, you know, over when they were working on her. But um, it was just such a, such a beautiful and fun moment that like we got to experience. But yeah, so as far as like her getting stuck, it was a little worrisome for me because I didn't know like what was happening. I was mid pushing. And they had told me like, this is the push, this is the push. And like, she's out. And so I'm pushing and all of a sudden the doctor yells, stop pushing, stop pushing. And I'm like, what? So I didn't, her shoulder, I guess was getting stuck and they needed me to stop pushing so she could kind of maneuver around. And then I was kind of worried because since I could feel everything, <laughs> um, she like, it felt like she had taken both of her hands and like reached in to grab baby. and. Cause she probably did. I could feel that. Right. And I could feel every bit of that. And she pulled her out and luckily like she was fine. You know, she was kind of telling me what could have happened and the risk of that. But um, once the doctor looked her over and everything was fine, her clavicle was fine. And she was like, just know that that was the best case scenario, absolute best case scenario. So um, she's our little miracle and blessing for sure. I think I touched on every single point. So I know you wanted to have like the unmedicated birth and everything. Besides that, did you have any other like birth plans? Not really. I had kind of gone with the mindset, like, like we had kind of talked about earlier, as far as like, I knew anything could happen and I was open to anything. I tried to watch some like videos on like C-sections and other stuff just in case. Cause I know that was definitely something that could happen. I was just trying to have an open perspective I did like play music. I know some people like write that kind of stuff down and like dim the lights. I never, the lights were off because I did, I guess, ask for them to be off with just how much I had to focus during the contraction part of labor. And then I just labored with, with music and I didn't like push with music, but I guess you could call those other um, things for the birth plan. You didn't have a doula, did you? No, but that lady that I was telling you about that I listened to some of her content on podcasts and then she has a YouTube channel. She's a birth doula. 
And that was kind of where I got some of those terms as far as affirmations and like knowing certain positions to labor in that were better without an epidural and stuff like that. So I guess I had like a reference to go to, but not an actual like doula that was in the room with us. I mean, that's amazing that first baby, even with an induction and Pitocin, because contractions, I mean, if you guys, or when you plan on having another one, if you go on medicated with the second and you don't have to be induced, I can't tell you this from personal experience, but everybody always says, and you know, I work with, I induce a lot of women and I do a lot of people who are not induced um, their births. And people will tell you that contractions with Pitocin is completely different than your body's natural contractions, that it's much more intense and much more harder. So the fact that this was your first baby in induction on Pitocin and you did the entire thing naturally and only pushed for 20 minutes. I mean, that's seriously, Ash, like you should be proud of yourself. That's incredible. <laughs> well, thank you. That really yeah, is. I didn't, I didn't know that all I knew about Pitocin was horror stories. And so like, I don't, I didn't, I guess ever think about it without Pitocin, but I do hope for our future kids, like we could have another like natural birth. I will 100% if it's in my ability, go unmedicated again. Of course, in those moments, it hurt really bad, but I knew like you just had to put a purpose to it and knowing that we got to meet this beautiful baby and we didn't know boy or girl yet if we're going to have a son or a daughter and that was kind of like the cake topper um, just getting to know that but I hope to do that again with all of our kids. I know like the doctor kind of cautioned me that because she did get stuck it can lead to c-sections in the future if your first one got stuck so I didn't really get a chance to ask her more about that that was what was said to me before the doctor did leave the room. So we're praying that we can have more babies naturally and unmedicated, but we, I guess we'll see. Yeah. When she got stuck, did they, did one of the nurses, like we call it super pubic pressure. Did they push on like right above, I'm trying to like right above your pubic bone or like your lower stomach. Did one of them push on that area or was the doctor able to just maneuver her out on her own? To be honest, I'm not super sure. I know my husband, like kind of like they didn't necessarily like you know on purpose shove him out of the way but they had to take my legs and they let they like threw my legs further back um which you know he was like that's when he kind of got a little like what's going on (laughs) but so I all all that I remember was that they pushed my legs back super high and then like I told you like it felt like the doctor shoved her hand (laughs) inside and grabbed her that was all that I can remember Yeah. And that when they pull your legs back, we call it Mick Roberts maneuver. It's like where we literally kind of try to get your feet all the way back as far as we can. And usually a nurse pushes on your stomach, but yeah, I mean, as far as like future births, of course, like I can't give you medical advice, but I will say normally with second babies, because that area has already been stretched a little bit and your cervix is already dilated. They do usually come out quicker. And I truly don't know though, when it comes to shoulder dystocia or how severe you know, hers was what that would look like for the future. The first ones are the hardest. That area, nothing's ever. That's true. Yeah. Nothing's ever been through there before, but now like the way's kind of been paved is how I describe it. Yeah. That makes sense for sure. And so how was your postpartum experience? Um, so postpartum, I would say, we kind of say kind of easy. Um, I hate to say that because I definitely have moments and um, as far as like care down there um I only bled for like pretty much while I was in the hospital and then it was a very very light bleeding um for maybe like a week or two after 
she's cooing in her sleep over here. <laughs> that wasn't too bad. I did tear a little bit after, you know, the doctor went in. I really thought there was nothing attached down there, but um, I only had a first degree tear um, in one spot. And so the stitches healed, I guess the nurse went at my follow-up appointment and said really well. I didn't really struggle with like depress like the baby blues or what you you know what you call it. it's definitely though just been not what I expected as far as getting her to meet everyone and getting to have people over to see her it's it's definitely been different with the pandemic that we are living in right now so I am curious to see how like it differs with our future kids I'm hoping that we're not in a pandemic when <laughs> we have them but we better not. Um, I, I, for real <laughs> I have had moments, you know, where like, this is the first go around and I'm like, how in the world are we going to have more kids? <laughs> and then I have moments of like, okay, I'm ready now. <laughs> so um, just trying to remember that I think we were very blessed in our labor and in my pregnancy and our postpartum season. So I just, I know that each kiddo can be different and each experience is different. So just trying to enjoy the moments that we've had so far. <laughs> I was just going to tell you about our first night home from the hospital, but oh, you can go, go ahead. No, you go. Tell me about it. Okay. <laughs> I guess I did have, we did have a moment. The very first night home from the hospital, since we had her at night, one, I didn't sleep very well during that whole induction. I had to get up and pee like once every hour. Wasn't really, you know, sleeping consistently or anything like that while we were in the hospital. And then labored all day, have her at eight o'clock you know, at 821. And we do skin to skin for the first two hours. And then she feeds for the first time and stuff like that. And then dad gets to hold her. And so you're like, you're so pumped. Like you want to be up that whole time. And which is what we did. So we were very, very sleep deprived in the hospital. She was also very fit up in the hospital. So when she was calmer, like it was very short lived because she would need sat up and pat, you know, um, burped almost. So she didn't let us get much sleep in the hospital, which we kind of expected. But then when we came home, we got, you know, released at in the evening. And so now you're two days out from having her and you haven't slept that much. And then you get home and it's nighttime and you're like, I'm really tired, but have this newborn that I'm not really sure what to do with quite yet. And so my husband and I kind of made the mistake. I, I guess it's a learning curve that we endured the first few nights home, but we both stayed up because like we both wanted to be a part of those moments together the first night home. And so we both got a total sleep of like 15 minutes that whole night. We learned very quickly that we cried more than her that first night. <laughs> and we learned very quickly that it was going to be like a give and take where, you know, when I am up to nurse her, you know, he was burping her and then he handled the nightly diaper changes while I got some sleep and until her days and nights were kind of reversed. I know you'll ask like bits of advice that would kind of be mine to like have some grace with your partner or spouse because you're both new to this Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and don't try to do it at the same time because it, you'll both get worn out. Whereas, you know, when one of you gets even like an hour of sleep was tremendous, like during that, those first few nights when the other person could take her and stuff like that. So that was a learning curve for sure. <laughs> they take shifts that way, you know, at least one of you can get a little bit of sleep while the other one kind of does the thing. Mm -hmm. And did you exclusively breastfeed? I did. Okay. Yeah. So that mm -hmm. definitely is extra important even then to take those shifts because, you know, when you are exclusively breastfeeding, especially in those beginning first couple of weeks, 
you know, dad can't get up and feed baby. You have to. So it's, it's right. a good bit of advice is that like, you know, you said you got up a nurse and then gave her over to him and he did the diaper changes and kind of got her back down. And that's definitely one of the best ways to at least enable you guys to both get a little bit of sleep. Yeah, for sure. And what would you say would be your other, cause that was kind of your one. You said, what would be your other tip yeah. for like, tip or bit of advice for a new mom? Probably because of my experience, I would just really encourage people to be like, educate themselves on the process. That was something like by the end of it, I was like, I want to be a nurse. Like I want to be a birth doula. I was so like empowered by knowledge and diving into, you know, what my body was doing and like how I could think through those things and kind of knew what was coming. I was working from home and obviously on my kind of my own schedule during that time. So I would like watch YouTube video after YouTube video after YouTube video of just natural birth, medicated versus unmedicated and like, you know, postpartum and labor and what to expect and how to know your labor and all of those things. I would just say to educate yourself to kind of know that it could go anyway, not to educate yourself to build your birth plan, but to educate yourself to know kind of what you want and your preferences, but also know anything else could happen. Yeah, that's very good. I definitely am obviously very passionate about education. (laughs) I think that especially when it comes to birth, you've never done it before if it's your first time baby. And there's so much that it involves when it comes to going into labor and labor and delivery and postpartum. And there's a lot of terms that are used and just so many different routes. Like even when you talked about, you know, breaking your water and Pitocin, those are all decisions that you have to make, you know, the doctor will definitely advise you one way or the other, but ultimately like you need to make the decision if you want your water broken. And if you want to start Pitocin and um, if you want to be induced, you know, all those things. So education is extremely, extremely important. And that's literally why I made this podcast is because I wanted to try to fill that gap between, between, you know, birth and, and women and the education that comes with it. Yeah. So anything else to share from your pregnancy, birth or postpartum experience? I wish people could see you right now. (laughs) She's sitting here in like a recliner, just rocking with her little baby girl. It's so cute. (laughs) Well, thank you. I, I will say since we are on the topic of rocking her right now, she, um, so I like read book after a book about newborn sleep and Mm -hmm. sleep training after the four month mark and stuff like that and all of that stuff. And I was so concerned about like bedtime sleeping that I forgot that newborns take naps. <laughs> so like when she was awake, I would like stimulate her, you know, play with her all the time and like keep her up. And then I realized like she was getting very, very fussy. And I was like, what is this life that we are living? And then my husband was like, well, did she nap today? And I was like, nap? I mean, no, I mean, kind of, I guess, but not really. <laughs> so literally this was like, two weeks ago that I realized this. She is two, she's two months and one week old right now. And I will say, like, I am proud to say that she has been sleeping through the night since about six weeks, but she has not slept during the day. So don't let me fool you by the fact that she's actually just recouping during her nighttime sleep. But we have officially gotten on a nap time, like routine-ish. I think everything parenting wise is ish, (laughs) but that would also be another piece of advice that newborns nap. And I, completely I guess neglected to realize that yeah I think they say that's crazy you said you'd stimulate her and keep her up I think they say like a newborn's wake period is only about 30 minutes at one time Mm -hmm. you had this girl up for like 10 hours straight for real she was like I would play with her 
and like read to her and like when she was falling asleep I'd be like no wake up we need to sleep at night that's definitely why she was fussy if I just I don't know if you listened to it but a podcast with a newborn sleep consultant and okay a couple episodes back and she literally talked about how babies will get extremely fussy if you try to push them beyond that period and she talked a lot about sleep training and you know how important it is for them to literally just like nap and sleep literally today so I will go back and listen you want to know about (laughs) training yeah I will definitely watch or listen to it it it's so funny well then come to find out I guess I actually did some research then and it's like for newborn sleep 14 to 17 hours during the day and I'm like this girl is sleeping like 10 to 12 (laughs) it's episode 35 35 okay awesome I'll have to go back and listen to that (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your birth story. I am super impressed. You did amazing. You had an amazing birth, unmedicated, just like you wanted. And that's just, I couldn't be more happy for you guys. And your little girl is so cute. What's her name, by the way? I don't think you told us. So her name is Lainey Lou, and she has lots of nicknames already. I call her Louie. Dad calls her Lulu. Lainey. Lainey. Yep. Lainey Lou. And Lou is after my grandma's middle name. so. So is Lou her middle name? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Got it. Lainey Lou. Yeah. Okay. That's so cute. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But thank you seriously for having me on. I, um, I know I was really encouraged by podcasts like this when I was, you know, going through pregnancy and stuff. And, um, I just, I hope that other women are empowered and encouraged just to know that their bodies were made to do this and that you have so much knowledge to offer through your podcast and just the medical side. So an experience even. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's definitely the goal to just empower, to educate and just to encourage women. Because like you said, I mean, epidural or not, you know, your body is made to do this and crazy things can happen in birth, but just that going in with that base, that, that foundation of just confidence is, is key when it comes to anything surrounding birth, because your body grew this baby and your body definitely can birth it either way, whether C-section, vaginal, medicated, unmedicated, you can do it. All the things. (laughs) Thank you for listening to another episode of What the Bump. Make sure you follow us over on Instagram at What the Bump Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And make sure you tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. There's a new episode. I really appreciate you for listening. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. And I hope you have a great day.